Greetings, I'm Pastor Theodore Faison. And I'm Pastor Linda Faison. And we welcome you to the Living Water Christian Center Church, where the word is plentiful and the spirit of the Lord lives. We're so glad you decided to join us today. We hope that your soul will be blessed as the word of God goes forth. Praise the Lord, everyone. Uh, good morning. God bless you all. We're certainly glad to be here and to be able to share the word with you this morning. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. We bless your name. We thank you because this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, O oh God, for being our God. We thank you because you are our Father, and we can cry unto you and go to you, Lord. We ask today, Lord, that you touch your servant. <clears throat> touch me, Lord, to deliver your word in the name of Jesus. Touch the hearers of your word, Lord. Touch the hearts, O oh God, of your people, Lord, that we might be recipient uh, recipients of what you have to say to us today. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we thank and praise God. We also want to ask the Lord to just bless those that are hurting right now. We know um, the struggles that um, are going on in America, and we want to ask God to have mercy and extend his hand to the people in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota today, um, and our nation. Our nation is hurting. There are things going on that we don't understand, um, things that we do understand and we don't uh, like or agree with. And we need the Lord to intervene during this time. So we, as the people of God, want to pray. We um, especially want to pray for um, the family of George Floyd and uh, that community the church, the friends, um, as we vocalize and express our views and our opinions, we cannot forget that there is a God that hears, answers prayer, and knows how to intervene. He knows how to calm stormy seas and to bring peace when there is turmoil. He's a God of justice. He's a God of vengeance. He's a God of mercy, and he's a God of love, and that's who we need to be crying out to today. So um, I just want to employ you, people of God, to go to the Lord. The Lord promises us. He said if we would, uh, we who know him, right, uh, we who are called by his name would turn from our wicked ways. We have a responsibility to live this thing out, turn from our wicked ways, right, um, and come together and pray. He said he would hear us and heal our land. So we need to do that today. Um, he said if we turn from our wicked ways, right, humble ourselves, that means bring our high minds, our haughty opinions based on whatever. Bring it down to the Lord's. Bring it down and empty out to the Lord. He said, humble yourselves and pray in that order. We would hear from heaven and he would heal our land. 
So we, we have something to do, and that is to call on the name of God and ask him to intervene and heal. And we don't know what that means. Calling on the name of the Lord, asking him to heal. Sometimes while we're praying and we're asking God to do things, he sets up things. He puts people in strategic places. He gets people in position that are resistant to the will of God. He turns the minds of the governors and, and the leaders and the military leaders Humble ourselves and pray. Turn from our wicked ways and put our mind towards God's will, plan, and purpose, and he'll move. He'll move. He'll move in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, it is um, Fifth Sunday here at Living Water. And on Fifth Sunday, uh, we have what is called Youth Takeover. Um, and I uh, just love that. We're not able to convene in-house in our, our, our church and see the different activities that the young people put forth, but we thank and praise God for the uh, praise and worshipers, um, our uh, young people, our church. To me, it's the church uh, coming forth um, because we know God is I am. He, every, he has every, everything we need. He has everything we need, and he is our, our source and our supply, and uh, we just thank and praise God for them and for uh, their words. And um, I do believe I have a word for you this morning from the Lord, um, not just to the youth, but to all that may be hearing, but specifically as God has placed it on my heart uh, to our church, our youth, our, our generation, our young people, our young adults. Um, and um, if you need a, a thought or topic this morning, it would be um, remembered by God. Remembered by God. I want to talk to you this morning. Um, I believe I'm going to talk to you this morning about living a life that will be remembered by God. We are uh, faced, um, and I'll say we, uh, to include myself, um, with uh, the young people. I know I'm in a whole different generation. You know, I'm a result of parents coming home after World War II and missing each other. So I'm of the baby boom generation. But to um, our young people today and our adults and, and the people of today, uh, we are faced with so many challenges, so many uh, what I call distractions, and so many things that are pulling at us and calling our attention and driving us in our process and uh, our decision making. It used to be just out in the world, but I find that there are as many distractions in the church as there are in the world. So we are being pulled in various directions. And um, we have to, as people of God, make a conscious decision to live our life and govern ourselves in such a way that we will be remembered by God. And what I mean by uh, remembered by God, I mean that what I do, the life that I live, the things that I do will be things that are important and relevant 
to the God who made me and the creator. I would set my purpose, my goals, my motives, not on things that please man, but on things that please God. Um, the Lord asked us to seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. When Jesus came and began his ministry in uh, the New Testament, that was one of the things when he taught people to pray. One of the things he said, our Father, right, which art in heaven, holy is your name, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in order of praying, and he prayed that thing in order, what was important, what is important to us when we present ourselves before God is that his will be done. And his will is not abstract from us. When we talk about God's will being done, we're not talking about something being done out there, something I cannot touch, something I cannot feel, something I am not a part of. When we talk about God's will being done, we're talking about God's will being done in us. We are the cream of the crop. We are his prize possession. We are the thing that he created and set back and said it's good. He rested after he made us. He made the world, the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, the seas. But you and I, he breathed life, the breath of life into us. He put a part of himself into us. We became a living soul. He gave us power. He gave us dominion. He gave us authority for a reason. For a reason. And he never took it back. <laughs> he never took it back. We abdicated our place and we abdicated our throne through Adam, but God never took back what he gave to us. Though he knew we would make a decision that would lead to our destruction, he set in place a plan long before that happened to bring redemption to us. And he himself brought it. He became our substitute. He became the living sacrifice. The Bible teaches us that God wrapped himself up in flesh and came down to redeem us to finish the story, to write it out, to make victory are in. But what he desires, what he desires in you and I is to live a life that he will remember. In Proverbs 16, verse 3, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Um, in the message, I, I often refer to the Message Bible. I love the Message Bible. Um, it also says this way, put God in charge of your work. Then what you've planned will take place. The next verse 4 says, God made everything with a place and a purpose. Even the wicked are included, but for judgment. 
So there is nothing that God made, nothing that he created was just by happenstance, doesn't have a purpose. We figure it out. Scientists, uh, 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 doctors, those that study a particular field, um, archaeologists, those. then you have people that are studying um, rocks, people are studying bones, they're studying uh, dinosaurs, all these things to try to figure out and understand. But God's not figuring it out because he already made everything with a plan and a purpose. And don't you forget that. Don't let science retard your thinking. Don't allow what's just being figured out and just being discovered to make you think it just has relevance. It had relevance when it was in the mind of God. Before it hit the earth and became a formed reality. Do you understand that? Are you with me, people of God? The word of God lets us know when he created us, he created us in his image, and he created us in his likeness. He did not make a mistake. He made a man, and he made a woman, and he gave us direction, and he gave us purpose. He established, he ordained family, he told us how to procreate, he told us how to work, he told us how to take care of each other. All of that is laid out in the word of God. We redefine but we don't recreate. We don't establish, even though we set rules, God established his world. And all Jesus said is we have to pray that we do what he wants us to do on this earth as it's already being done in heaven. So that's why the word of God tells us to commit our works unto the Lord. That is an act that you and I have to do. It doesn't happen just because I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the, the Holy Ghost, the mighty burning fire, and I pray and I fast and I read my word. That does not mean my works are committed unto the Lord. I have to work at it. I have to uh, consciously uh, make a decision. Now, the, the, I find it interesting that the Bible says commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established, right? But then I, I, it's not that interesting because I think about myself. You know, my thoughts are not his thoughts. My ways are not his ways. There is a big gap. It's a big difference. Most of the time I want to do something other than what he wants me to do. And he has to take me through a change and a channel to get me to do his will. Right? And then I learn to say yes to God. What I hope is that I'm not um, in my little uh, maze today like I was yesterday. What I pray is that daily I follow him. Daily I submit myself to him and I make it easier to get his purpose and his job done. But I don't fool myself. I know up here is Linda. Up here is me first, me first, me first, me first. And Adam sealed that deal, right? Adam replaced his agenda for God, right? 
Now, we could say it was Eve first, you know, we could debate that, but that's not, the, that's not what I'm here to preach about, right? But whatever the case, God charged Adam. Adam was held responsible. Adam tried to pass the buck. The Lord did not let him pass the buck. He did not hold Eve innocent, but he did not allow Adam to pass the buck, right? So, and even the Bible proves it, men, because he said the first man, Adam, and the second man, Adam. There was no second Eve. There was only one Eve. But the second Adam had to come, right, and correct everything that the first Adam messed up. But my point here is that when God made us, it was with purpose. So our, our, our works are our deeds, the things we do. Uh, the businesses we pursue, the undertakings, the dreams that you have. Uh, the young people are dream they're dreamers today. Uh, I talk to more young people and those that are in their 20s, 30s, and even 40s is young to me today. And they are, uh, they have minds to be independent. People are uh, seeking to be more financially independent today than they have in the past. That's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. You have your dreams. You have opportunities. Um, there's more, um, I think, uh, business loans, things available than they were when I was coming up. You know, we thank God that we were able to get into certain colleges. You know, when, when you're growing up in, in certain eras and certain generations, the privileges are scarcer. But as people pave the way and as sacrifices are made, privileges extend and they get bigger. So now the world is open to you. You know, uh, people travel uh, uh, corona has put a, a, a hold on quite a few things, but pre-corona, you were going out of country, out of state. And, and when I grew up, I don't even know if they talked to us about a passport. But my kids had passports as children. So the world is open to us. Anything we can do, be it in the church or in the world. So we are productive, and the Lord knows that we are productive. And he says, if you commit your work unto the Lord, the things that you desire to do, the things you want to do, the dreams, your, your aspirations, no matter how big, no matter how small, the Lord says, if you commit that, and the word commit here means to roll over or to remove. Um, it means, uh, here in the um, Hebrew, it means to roll down, to trust. And roll down as in um, giving away to. So it also means commit as in what we do to a body. When we commit a body, we roll it down, right? It goes down into the ground. So when we commit our works unto the Lord, we are giving them away. We're rolling them down onto the Lord. That's what the word means here. And the Lord says, I want you to commit them. He, he, even when the works, when you describe works, and I broke down some of them, works here means, um, it's a masculine term here, and it means deeds, things done, labor, 
business pursuits, undertaking, your enterprises, your achievements. It also means deeds of work, deeds of deliverance and judgment. When you're put in positions of authority, leadership, when you've been delegated, when you're promoted on a job, when you go from the, um, the uh, worker or administrator to the supervisor, to the manager, these are the works that are included in this scripture. It also means what you, uh, you produce, what you bake, what you cook, uh, what you write. It's artistic in its, its definition as well. Things that you write, the books you write, um, what you're able to create. Commit them. The Lord wants them. He wants them, young people. Give them to me. He said, if you commit them to me, then your thoughts will be established. Because my dreams are mine. They're precious to me, right? Sometimes we break through anything to do what we want to do. This is what I want to do. Even children, I want to do it. He said, no, you can't do it now. No, but I want to. So within us is a natural desire to want to do what we want to do. But the Lord says, give it. If you give it to me, then I will establish your thoughts. And what the word thoughts means here, and, uh, and it's, it's nice because thoughts in this is a feminine. It's a noun, but it has a, a feminine form. It's, it's softer, whereas masculine is more direct, more hard in its form. Here, it means to devise or to plan. It's your purpose. It's your how you lay out things in your mind, how you orchestrate your thoughts. It also means whether bad or, or good, your intentions. And that's what's important, your intentions. Now here, thoughts could be good or bad. What makes them good is the fact that the scripture says your thoughts will be established. That means your thoughts will be set and secure because you've committed what you wanted to do to the Lord. Now, one person, and there are many people, I talk about being remembered by God, and I wanted to use that scripture as your basis or your foundation, but there were many people that were remembered by God. Hannah was remembered by God. The Lord, you know, Hannah was barren. Hannah, uh, she was married to um, Elkanah, and he had two wives, but Hannah was barren, and barrenness was looked down upon during that time. And uh, the word of God lets us know that Hannah went to the temple. She went to church with her husband, right? Even though she didn't have what she wanted, she went to church with her husband. And um, she prayed, and she was heavy in heart. Uh, when he, he um, the word of God says he was so uh, concerned about her being heavy in heart. He says, why? Why are you heavy? Like, I love you. Don't I shower you with gifts? Don't I give you what you, I, you need, what you want? Which said to me, even though Hannah didn't have everything she wanted, she was still a good wife because her husband showered her. She still performed her wifely duties. Even I'm talking to young people, 
I need to say that. She did what she was supposed to as a wife. reason I know is because her husband was glad to give her gifts and things. A man, you got a man on lockdown. He is not bringing you flowers when you get home. He's not saying, hey, boo, hey, honey, you look nice, you look good. But he showered her. So that says to me she was doing what she needed to do, even though she didn't have what she wanted to have. And later, the scripture lets us know that the Lord remembered her. And he remembered her because she did not um, renege on what her responsibilities and duties were because she didn't have what she wanted to have. Another person the Lord remembered was Joseph. Joseph, and I can't, I'm not going through the story. Time will not permit to go through the story of Joseph's life. But oh, my, 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 was that a life. From a child up, Joseph went through. You're talking about rejection? You're talking about family top dysfunction? You're talking about being mad at family members and being despised? He was left by his siblings and then sold into slavery. And I, I don't know, I, I think when I have not been a, um, put up for adoption, I have not been fostered. But most times when you become a child of the system and you're fostered, it's because your parents are unable, for whatever the reason is, to raise you. That was not Joseph's case. Most of the time when you're adopted, it's because your parents, if they're living, have made a decision to let you be raised by someone else. Often they say, I'm not fit. They're better off. They're this or that. That wasn't Joseph's situation. Joseph was stolen and snatched from his parents by his siblings and then sold to a stranger can't imagine. <laughs> but the Bible lets us know that through all of that, Joseph maintained a level of integrity. I'm talking about people that are remembered by God because of how they live, because their thoughts and their intentions are in the right place. The, the reason I know that Joseph's thoughts and intentions were in the right place because he as a hurt, he was hurt, he was wounded, he was rejected, he was abandoned, he was anointed, he was gifted, he was a dreamer, he was a seer, but he was an honorable man. Because when he had an opportunity to take advantage of a situation and betray, I was betrayed, I was tricked, I was torn down, my brothers lied to me, they rejected me, they were jealous of me. He did not do it to Potiphar. He said, I'm not going to do this. This man's entrusted me. He put me into a, a place of position and his wife is wooing up to me. She wants me, and I might want her, but I'm not going to take her. Because of what I would do would be unto God. And people, um, there's a, um, 
there is a commentary that says, even in that, Joseph says to my father, he was referring to his natural father. But in any case, he would not want to bring shame to the God, his God, or his family name. Can you imagine? In his situation, protecting his family name. But this is someone whose intentions were in the right place. And young people, it is important that your motives be rooted and grounded in the word of God. So that when you are faced with difficult situations, you will make decisions that will honor God. And Joseph was in prison. And when Joseph was in prison, Word of God lets us know that he dreamed a dream and he was, his dreams came to pass, right? And there was an opportunity for Joseph to be remembered. And the Lord remembered Joseph and got him out of prison because he operated in his gift. And I want to say that Joseph was in prison but he was performing. Do we perform when we are in prison? When we're locked down, things are not going our way. We've been rejected. Do we still allow the anointing of God to throw through us? What do we do? Don't answer the phone. Send crazy tweets. Stop coming to church. Rat mad about everybody going forth, finding fault, finding criticism. Overeat, overspend, overdrink. Ain't got no business drinking anyway. But what do we do when we feel imprisoned by our emotions, imprisoned by our past, imprisoned by our family members at work? They don't recognize me. They don't understand me. They're abusing me. They're using me. I ain't praying for nobody. I don't care what happens to them. But Joseph, Joseph was still used by God. And because he allowed God to use him, it gave him an opportunity to be remembered when the king needed somebody to interpret his dream. Amen. The word of God says the Butler, cupbearer, said there was a man. I remember there's somebody in prison that was still preaching, still having prayer meetings, still going forth. That's who you need. When God brought him forth, Joseph was remembered. And his integrity was in the right place, not just in Potiphar's house, but then in the king's house. And he was trusted with rulership and leadership. But I want to talk to you about somebody else more interesting that I found God remembered. And that was David. Yes, yes, yes. My boy David. Name it, he did it. Think about it, he tried it. But the word of God lets us know that the Lord himself remembered David. David, um, over in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1, it says, Now these be the last words of David, the son of Jesse, and the man 
who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. And the Lord, um, he spoke these words that the Lord, and it just, when I looked at it, I was like, wow, God, this is amazing. When I look at the life of David and everything he did, um, and of course, I'm looking at, when I say it that, that way, I'm not looking at the good. I'm thinking about the things he really did. You still gave, you recognized him, and you gave him an heritage and a name that would sustain throughout generations and generations and generations. Pastor always says, the Lord would tell kings, only be like my servant or my son, David. What I realized about David was David's heart, his intentions were in the right place when it came to pleasing God. When David had an opportunity uh, before he was king to, to be recognized, his brothers had all recognition. You ever feel like that? Everybody's getting their due. You're not getting your due. David had an opportunity, and that was concerning Goliath. And when David went forth, He's, his uh, declaration was not in his strength, but his declaration was in the Lord's strength. He said, who is this Philistine defying the Lord's army? David's heart. It wasn't about David. It was about the Lord. When David um, <coughs> defeated Goliath and Saul got jealous, and um, Saul, because David was getting all the praise, all the praise, Saul, the real Saul came out and Saul got jealous. And we know the story that um, Saul began to um, lash out at David, right? And now we already know Saul had an evil spirit, but David would play his heart and calm the evil spirit of Saul. He did not use this as an opportunity to seek revenge. Mm, you need me now? You, you calling me now? You need help right now? See if I'll help you. You talked about me? You turning things around? Mm-hmm. How many do that? The minute you have an opportunity, somebody that did you wrong, did you dirty, don't like you, stand in need of you, what do you do? Mm, pretend you don't hear, shrug your shoulders, ignore, I ain't calling them. But David didn't do that. Not only did David not do that, David loved Saul's brother, son. Now, people I know, they don't like one person. They hate the whole family. The whole family's dirty, and, and I can't stand none of them. But that wasn't David. Because his heart, his thoughts were established in the mercies of God. And God used them. God used him. David had an opportunity. <laughs> David had an opportunity to kill Saul. Now, this one, he was running from Saul. Saul had put out, um, what is that, a hit. He put out a hit on David. And the story lets us know that he went to him and got a piece of his skirt. Right? And the minute he did it, his heart, I said, Lord, help me. Would my heart be convicted the minute I clipped off and I got close enough? His heart was convicted because there was an inkling 
that I'm coming to you to let you know I could get you if you want me to, if I wanted to. And that was the conviction that David felt in his heart because it was wrong. Would I clip the skirt and then put it on Instagram? <clears throat> Would I post where I saw you just to get back at you? Not David. The Bible also lets us know that one of the things that um, just, you got to read through the story, but when David, and this is really to understand the heart of David, when David was um, being held in a doulum, right, in the garrisons, and he was um, trying, this was after David was king, and he had to fight. Don't think it came easy for David. Even when God anointed him and he became king of Israel, he, there was some struggle to get what rightfully belonged to him. And he was being held, and he was with his mighty men, and he, uh, but they were not in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that he longed, he longed to be where he was supposed to be. And his mighty men broke through the garrisons, risked their lives, and got water out of the wells for David. And they brought it back because he said, I wish I could have some of that water. And they brought it back to him to drink. And when they brought it back for him to drink, the Bible says that David said, "How? oh no, how could I drink blood? This cost the lives of these men. They sacrificed their life to get this for me. They could have died. And the Bible says he poured it out as an offering and a remembrance, but would not take advantage, would not feel it's owed to me. They are my mighty men. They work for me. That's how David felt about responsibility and leadership and people that worked for him and did things for him. His heart was in the right place. And that's what God, so, you know, we look at David and Absalom and David and um, Bathsheba and David and Uriah. And he lied a little bit. You know, he got a little crazy when he was in church, went to the temple, pretended to be crazy, right, when he was in the Philistine so that they wouldn't kill him. So he was a little deceitful. He had that in him. Mm -hmm, yeah, we do, we do, we do. We know how to fake it. So people don't really identify us and we don't really get caught up. But the heart, your heart, the intent of your heart has to be in the right place. God is saying that he wants your life to be such a way that you are selfless, not selfish. Young people, display acts of kindness. Extend mercy. Be forgiving. Give to the poor. Share your wealth. Are you stingy? Do you share? Do you share with your siblings? Do you share with your family members? Do you get promotion and get more money and don't tell nobody so they don't have to ask you for anything? Mm. Be a person 
God can trust. God can remember. God can elevate. God can establish. The woman that wiped Jesus' feet with her great expensive oil, that became a memorial. God, Jesus said it would be memorialized because she gave out of what she had. And that was probably her life savings. But she poured it. She committed, <laughs> rolled it over, if you will, to the feet of Jesus. That's what he wants from you. That's what he wants from your lives, from the choices you're making, where you're going. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you're getting ready to embark on great things. Will you commit those works unto God? Will you allow him to change your heart and make it one of integrity, one of mercy, one of kindness where he can trust you? You know, I wrote this down and I'm, I'm concluding here. I said, would Jesus, and I might get a few things wrong, I'll hear about it later if I do, but would Jesus request to be your friend on Facebook? Would Jesus follow you with a smile on Instagram? Would Jesus like your tweets and respond? Better yet, would he get on board with one of your hashtag ventures. Would Jesus promote you as the next best social media voice in this century? Mm, something to think about. What he wants to, that's his desire. He wants you to set yourself as a person to be remembered. He desires. Uh, David said in Psalms 37, he said, trust in the Lord and do good. And thou shalt dwell in the land. Verily thou shalt be fed. The word verily means securely you'll be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. And commit, same commit, thy way unto the Lord. Trust him, and he shall bring it to pass. And thy righteousness shall spread forth as light, and thy judgment as noonday. I implore you, young people. Commit yourself to God. Delight in him and become a person that he will always remember. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hearers today. We thank you because we do love you. 
And yes, we are challenged by things pulling at us and desires and dreams and things we want to do. God, and we're also battling with disappointments, things that aren't being done and aren't being accomplished and haven't been done. And we don't know whether it's your fault, our fault, everybody's fault, nobody's fault. But there are emotions that pull at us. And those emotions become distractions. And they hinder us from seeing you and being glad about who we are in you. And our emotions stop us from trusting you because they occupy us daily. But help us. Help us to be like David and Hannah and Joseph and to trust you and to operate full throttle under your anointing and your grace. When opportunities present themselves to show mercy and to be kind, let us not shut down and close the door, but extend our heart and our arms. Let's forgive those that have hurt us and ruined us, or we blame for our ruin. God, tender, make our hearts tender so that you can reside and take pleasure and, and direct and plan the course that we should go. God, that little child, that young one that's listening to my voice and feels laughed at and, and bullied and misunderstood, Lord. Help them not to dwell and wallow and lay in those feelings, but know that you love them and you called them and you created them and you shaped them and you formed them and they have a purpose for being here. Everything you made has purpose. And help us to live it out. Help us to seek it and live it out all the days of our life. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. On behalf of our pastors, Theodore and Linda Faison, we would like to thank you for joining the Living Water Christian Center Church for our Sunday morning virtual service. Although the physical doors of our church may be closed, our ministry is committed to spreading the gospel message and staying connected with you as we shelter in place. If you need any assistance or would like to send any prayer requests, you can contact us at 973-902-9933 or livingwater374 at gmail.com. We are also available via direct message at any of our social media platforms. To support our ministry with your tithes and offerings, you can use PayPal at livingwaterccc, Cash App at livingh2o church, or Zelle at 973-902-9933. Follow us at Living Water H2O Church on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay updated on our virtual worship services, Sunday school classes, prayer meetings, and Bible studies. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Be blessed and stay safe.